Today, on Commitment to Truth. If I failed miserably in something today, God forbid that I don't forewarn my children for tomorrow. You know, God forbid that I don't learn, tweak life, tweak my heart, make personal adjustments that it will not infect the next generation. Make sense? Versus not being, not being willing to deal with personal failures to a point that they don't find themselves into our, in the lives of our children and our children's children because we weren't willing or courageous enough to deal with it. Welcome to Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Each week, Pastor Cedric Brown and the pastoral team at Commitment Church strive to draw you into a deeper relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today, we continue a series titled, I'm Skilled. Throughout our lives, whether we were following the Lord or not, each one of us has gained a set of skills in various areas of our lives. You may think that these skills were only in service to yourself or to a boss and are of no use to God, but you would be wrong. Each skill you have gained can be used in service to Him, no matter where you are. Here is Pastor Cedric, lead pastor of Commitment Church, with today's message. We have to become men and women who understand that our choices today will affect generations. Lastly, in David's failure, he learned, you look at verses 20 through 23, and just I'll just list this for you, but you can go back and read it, is at the end of the day, David was willing to accept his consequences. He was able to accept his consequences. He knew that what he did was wrong. Matter of fact, he, he imposed justice on the person. He didn't even know who did it. But then when he found out it was himself, ultimately he embraced the justice of God. Be not deceived. The scripture says, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that's what you also shall reap. So these are some of the things that David learned. His, he, his abuse of his leadership, his sin against God, and only God, even though it's sin against others. But understand that when I sin, we sin. It's sin against God. And it also sins, sin affects generations. And also when we sin, we got to be willing to what? Embrace the consequences. Fully embrace the consequences. Now, as David, he's learned some skills from his failures as well. He's learned some skills. And let me give you four of them today. In Psalm 51, if you want to turn with me to Psalm 51, this is going to be our primary text here. Now, Psalm 51, remember, is a psalm that David himself wrote. And this, the, the um, history of this psalm is that he wrote this psalm after this sin. So that's the context. So when you, whenever you read Psalm 51, read Psalm 51 with this previous passage in mind. And it gives you a total different nuance and also the proper context of the psalm. Make sense? Psalm 51, Psalm 51, beginning with verse 1, it says this. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion. Blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only, I have sinned 
and done what is evil in your sight so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in my sin, my mother did conceive me. So here you see David's insight on how he now understands who he is as an authoritative king that you know what I was born in sin matter of fact my root my inheritance my nature the core who of who I am guess what it is I'm a sinner and church if 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 you I we cannot embrace that we're sinners you never ever ever be able to experience what David first learned is embracing God's grace. One of the biggest problems with the church today is that people won't accept that you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. Well, you know, but I'm a king's kid, rose, priest of the holy nation, set apart for good works. Yeah, but you're still a sinner. How do I know? Because you're just mad. You're mad at me now, right? That's why I know. <laughs> right? I mean, it's, right? I mean, that's, it's almost like, okay, I probably should lower the bar on myself and realize that I'm really not a good person. Then some way, somehow, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians, then you become strong. It's, it's the weirdest thing in the body of Christ is that when you realize that you're absolutely a nobody, then you become a somebody. Right? When I'm weak, then I'm strong. You know, the first in the kingdom is a servant of all. All the nuances in the scriptures and the character of Jesus is like, I become nothing that you could become something. So when you look at this in verse 1 through 5, there's this, this failures has helped David realize that, you know what, I, I am a sinner. Matter of fact, I was even conceived in sin. Matter of fact, my very initial point of existence, I'm a sinner. And that's why you don't have to teach a kid how to say no. You don't have to teach a child how to say mine. Because it's just like in their vocabulary. It's in their simple vocabulary. You have to teach a child how to share, how to say yes. It's inherently, it's not in us. Inherently in us is to rebel. Authority, especially. So it says, be gracious to me, O God. Be gracious to me according to your faithfulness. The words be gracious means this, to have mercy, to take pity, to be kind to me. Be kind to me, oh God, because I need your kindness because I know I'm going to have some really bad days. Wash me thoroughly with, uh, from my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. Where wash, uh, it means to launder me. Right, and you know as well as I do, some laundry needs a little more scrubbing, a little more hands-on, right? 
before you put it in a washing machine, right? And the beautiful thing about when you launder clothes, there's agitation that makes you what? Clean. Launder me. Agitate me. <laughs> and cleanse me from my sin. The word cleanse means to be ceremonially, ceremonially clean. It means to be purified and purge. So here's the beautiful narrative in that is that you have to be first agitated before he's able to do what? Remove and purge you. You see, God's grace is awesomely present even before failure because 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 11 through 13, uh, what Paul is saying to the church here is this, is that, you know, um, you should probably take note of the children of Israel's patterns. And that's why he says in verse 11, now these things happened to them as an example. And they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the age have come. Therefore, let the one who thinks he stands watch out that he does not fall. No temptation, but here, listen, this is all before. This is all before. Then he says in verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you except what? Something that is common to man. So if you observe mankind, there's temptations that someone will fall in before you fall in. Watch that. Be observant to that so you won't also what? Fall. Right? And then he says, God is faithful though, so he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. So whatever temptation that you have before you, there is this ableness, this ability that God gives us to do what? Not to fall. This is all God's greater grace before we sin. Before we sin. And then he finishes with this. But with the temptation will provide the way of escape also. So it's almost like, okay, if you almost like in the temptation and you're about to be engaging in it, that he will say, here's the escape route. So that you be able to endure it. But then God gives us his greater grace when we do sin. And that's why 1 John verse 8 and 9, 1 John chapter 1 verse 8 and 9 says this. If we say that we have no sin, again, the root of sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Or like the King James Version say, it says you're a liar and the truth is not in you. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just so that we, that he will forgive our sins and cleanse us from what? All of our unrighteousness. So you, what I read to you is two bookends of God's grace, greater grace that before you even go there, he's saying, here's my grace. If you go there, he says, here's my grace. But in both contexts, you have to understand that we are what? Sinners. You see, our failures have a way of making God's greater grace come alive and then ultimately cleanse us. You, 
You cannot be cleansed. We cannot be cleansed unless we first understand that we're dirty. Our failure help us embraces grace. Then we look again back in Psalm 51, verse 6, and then verse 16 and 17 helps us understand that our failures help us know wisdom. Listen to what it says. It says, behold, you desire truth where? In the innermost being and in the hidden parts, you will make me, you will make me know wisdom. Then skip to verse 16 and 17. It says, for you do not delight in sacrifices, otherwise I will give it. You're not pleased with burnt offerings. In other words, this exterior stuff, this performance-based religion, this performance stuff that makes you think that you're better, wiser than someone else, it doesn't impress them. Then verse 17 says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. So let's dive deeper in this. You see, verse 6, again, in secret, you make me to know wisdom. The word wisdom means this. It is, you make me to know learning. You make me to learn, believe it or not, skill. Here's that word, skilled again. This can refer to skills in life, skills in a trade, skill in war, or spiritual skills and spiritual things. So what God can do and he will do is make you accumulate wisdom in life. In every area of life, it, again, in learning, so you can sit down, become studious, and learn, and become more what? Skillful. He can make you do that. And sometimes, you know how he makes you do that? You're on your job, you want to keep your job, guess what you better do? You better keep learning. Or if you want to stay engaged with your children, guess what you better do? You better keep learning. I mean, there's so many ways that God will make you. He would impose it upon you creatively to say you must continue to be a lifelong learner. This also, it says, can be uh, connected to a trade, right, which we discussed, also in war. And, of course, spiritual things. A contrite heart, God will not despise. The word contrite heart or contrite specifically means this. This is a heart. It means that it is, he has driven stuff out. A heart that stuff is driven out to force out an enemy. It uses of God's refusing the desires. Listen to what it says. It is God refusing the desires or cravings of the wicked. So it's almost like God will impose his will on you and I so that you will be refused the desires and the cravings of the wicked. Last part of this definition, you know what it means? To humble you. And only God is the one who knows how to humble each one of us. He knows exactly what it takes. He knows exactly who it takes as well to bring us humility. You see, sometimes, listen, righteous wisdom is defined by our willingness to get up and up and get up over and over again. How do we know this? You see, Proverbs 24, 16 says it this way. 
For a righteous person falls seven times and does what? Rise again. But the wicked stumble in time of disaster. So there's this wisdom that comes from, you know, when you fail, you get up. You don't just fall and just lay there and sulk and be like, oh, okay, believe it. Look what I just did. God is saying, well, hey, your brother probably, you know, in the next state did the same thing or right next door to you did the same thing. So, hey, not surprising to me. So get your tail up, learn from this, and move on. That's what a wise man, woman does. They don't just stay down. They get up. Even our afflictions many times will help us learn wisely. Psalm 119 verse 71 says this. It is good for me that I was afflicted. Can you imagine? It's like, okay, God, oh, it's so good that I was afflicted. But this is what the psalm is saying, which is so true. When you look at it hindsight, there's so many times you look back and say, you know what? That probably was the most meaningful time and most important growth spurt I had in my relationship with Jesus when I was afflicted. Even though I didn't like it, even though I didn't want it, even though I tried to reject it, right? Even though I was praying, God, get me out of this. He, we, he, he kept me in this because the affliction, listen what it does, so that I may learn your statutes. And that's the beauty of it is that, listen, we have to trust the good, good father. We have to trust that God, God's word is true. So if in fact that we are in it, whatever it is, it will ultimately bring out something good. You see, our failures sometimes is the most reliable instructor that a man will ever have. Right, because listen, how many times have you studied the Bible, studied the Bible, memorized verses, sat under teaching, gone to Bible studies, but it wasn't until you were afflicted in that same situation that you then learned, right? I mean, you could be taught, oh yeah, that was a deep, profound word, pastor, and you'd be like, oh yeah, oh, praise the Lord, that was really good. It was here, but it never went here in your heart but it's not until affliction comes right tribulation arises for the word sake so that the word of God can become more alive real tangible applicable become part of you and you are part of it right let, your, let the word of God dwell in you and you in it and you would do what bear much fruit most of the time affliction is that agent of what? Bearing fruit. Or the scripture says it this way, you must be pruned to be what? Bear fruit. You follow me? You see this, this symbolism there? So the challenge we have here is that we must become men and women that, yeah, we're knowledge seekers, wisdom seekers, but at the end of the day, the one who is all wise and all knowing knows what is the best way for you and I to learn wisdom. In David's context, in this context of this sermon, it was through failure.
right? Some of us have children that you can sit down and say, sweetheart, please don't touch the fire. But then you have the other ones that be like, okay, mommy, I hear you, I hear you. But right when you turn your back, they, they put their hand right where the fire is, they get burnt, and that's how they learn. I, I, I venture to say most followers of Jesus Christ are the second child. Right, because we'll, we'll sit and we read the Bible and be like, oh, praise the Lord, that was really good. But we'll still do it. <laughs> right, let's be honest, right? Oh, the, that was a really great message, Pastor. You walk out, you just do whatever you want to do. <laughs> right, you know, you'll have a deep, profound, you know, a devotional time. You'll post it on Facebook, you'll Instagram it, you'll do, you know, you'll make a TikTok video over it, right? <laughs> But then when you're in the fire in it, you forget it all. <laughs> right? So what God would do as the great instructor is unfortunately allow us to go through something to make it stick. And make sure that you become fruitful in it and that fruit remains. Therefore, again, failure is one of the most reliable instructors because it ultimately reaches the heart and it changes and transforms the heart. It moves the authority of the Word of God from your head, our heads, to your heart. Hello, my name is Sarah Vega and I am the Administrative and Executive Director here at Commitment Church. I hope you've enjoyed today's message by Pastor Cedric Brown. If you didn't know, Pastor Cedric also sends out encouraging videos weekly. We call these the Weekly Wire. We can send these encouraging videos directly to you by subscribing at www.loveallnations.org. Here's an example of the encouragement you'll receive. Have you ever thought about some things and you would hope that no one can read your mind? Well, you see, there is someone who knows exactly what we're thinking. And, and that's the Lord. That's God Almighty. You see, because he says this, I know the thoughts of men. They're but a simple hand breath to me. In other words, it is likened to you reading the newspaper, or if we still do that, or reading a post. God literally knows exactly what you and I are thinking simultaneously whenever we have a single thought. But listen, good or bad thought. So the next time you are bent towards thinking bad thoughts about other people, no matter if they are good or bad, let's always take note that God knows every single thought that we think. Matter of fact, even before we think them, we hope you enjoyed the sample of our Weekly Wire. Again, to subscribe to your weekly inspiration, refreshment, and encouragement, please visit www.loveallnations.org. Thank you again for listening to our series, I'm Skilled, From Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. King David gained many skills throughout his life, including his time before he was king. He learned to worship, he learned to rescue, he learned to be a warrior, and he even learned from failure. 
Just like David, we also learn many skills throughout our lives. God wants to use these skills to build up His kingdom and for His glory. If you want to listen to the previous messages in this series, or if you want to hear messages from other series, visit Commitment Church on YouTube or Pastor Cedric Brown on Spotify, Pandora, or other podcast providers. You can also visit us on our website, commitmentchurch.org. And if you live in the Philadelphia, Delaware, or South Jersey area, we would love to see you in person as well. You can attend any of our services by visiting us at 2 Berlin Road South, Lindenwald, New Jersey, 08021. Thank you again for listening, and have a blessed and wonderful day.